This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode four of season two. We attempted to do this live on Facebook and Periscope, but my Wi-Fi decided against that fact, so we're going to have to do it offline. We'll probably try again in one of the later episodes to go live on Facebook and Twitter. To everybody that did try to tune in on Sunday afternoon and evening, thank you very much for tuning in. We will try it again some other time. Hopefully my Wi-Fi can figure itself out by then. But my name is Nick Verlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. Horwat, let me ask you once again tonight, how's it going, buddy? Damn, I thought I was tired. Your Wi-Fi just went to sleep on us man um honestly it if those clips were saved somewhere i'm sure they'd be quite funny just to see me staring into a blank abyss because i didn't realize that um you were the one freezing i just always assume it's me because i have not the greatest wi-fi my brother is always playing video games above me so i just assumed i was on frozen so i just kind of sat there not mm-hmm. saying anything <laughs> um, so i made it made myself look like an ass but that's okay i don't care Either way, you know what? Shit happens. It's 2020. We're grinding through the rest of this year. This is what happens whenever it's home office video call type deal. Yeah, it's not easy, man. But we're here. We're on the other side. We're going to have this conversation. We're going to have a hell of an episode, I hope. And, I mean, hey, let's uh, jump right into it. Because for those of you that tried to watch yesterday, uh, I think we have some we have, you know, we have some topics to, to to cover today. Yeah, so you got a little bit of a sneak peek and, and basically a rundown of what you're going to listen to here on the podcast version. But as I mentioned on that live episode, we are exactly one month away from the NHL's prospected start date. I'm very excited, Horwat. I know you're excited. Mm-hmm. You mentioned on that live show that we tried to talk about it on after hours on Saturday night, which yeah. my Wi-Fi was fine for then. So we'll have to definitely do some investigating on that. But I. Uh, I digress on the Wi-Fi point. How excited are you that in exactly one month we could be seeing Pittsburgh Penguins hockey? Or we're should all be super seeing, ex- I should say. Yeah, we're all super excited about it. And um, like I said then, it's it's exciting to have the game back. That's what we that is the base minimum of what we wanted. From here on in, it's going to be the que- the questions of how are we playing these games? Are people going to these games? And how much travel will be involved? Obviously, the Canadian division is not coming down at all. Are the, is there going to be interdivisional play in the States? Is it just going to be your division? I keep saying it because I keep thinking we're going to get like block scheduling. Like the, the NHL is just going to drop. Here's the first 10 or so games of the season. Well, then we're going to see how things go while that's happening. All right, here's the next 10. Uh, maybe the borders finally open up. Okay, here's 20. We're still being careful, but we're going to get more games in. I think that's how the schedule is going to go. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird, but I think I might be wrong about this, and um, it involves what we're going to discuss later. But I think that's how the ECHL is doing it now. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I think they're just doing like month at a time. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, sue me. Sorry, I got it wrong. But for now, I think that's how it's going to go. They're going to just put out a couple games at a time for each team to say we're handling this situation very loosely, if you will. It's going to be a very different situation. It's because we don't know what's going on and we can't predict the future. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest lessons there is to learn from some of the other sports that have been playing starting and finishing regular seasons during this COVID pandemic is don't put yourself on a corner with the scheduling. Make sure you leave some time to finagle the schedule because if not, you're going to get screwed because COVID doesn't care. We've established that pretty well. COVID doesn't care what sport it is, what schedule you have. It will mess up your schedule nine times out of ten. So definitely, I think what you're saying is a great idea. We don't know if that's the the way that the NHL is going to take. Of course, a lot of questions to be answered for the NHL before we can drop the puck on January 13th. And that is one of them. It's what is the schedule going to look like? And that's something that you're going to have to release here in the next few weeks. Probably, I would think, before New Year's. Yeah, it's especially if if things are coming up in a month. I mean, weren't they discussing like having a month and a half to two month long um, training camp? 
at first, but now it's it seems like they're gonna start on New Year's Day. I'm okay. That's what I was gonna ask: is when is training camp gonna start? Because if if we're a month away from games, well, where's the training camp? Obviously, yeah. there's not gonna be a preseason. That's okay. We're all just gonna have some shit hockey to start. But you know what? That's perfectly fine. Hey, listen, there wasn't a preseason for the NFL, and yeah, the first couple of games were a little bit rough, but that's that's part of that season. That's part of the COVID season. It's going to be a rough start. See who can fight through that adversity. It just makes the 2021 Stanley Cup that much harder to win. Yeah, but NFL preseason games are terrible. They rank. Are NHL preseason games that much better? To be They're a little honest. better because it's a more entertaining sport. I'd say... The ranking probably goes that baseball has the best preseason because it's spring training. It is kind of a thing. And if you live in the areas down there, like uh, where do the Pirates play? It's Bradenton. Me. Like if you live in the Bradenton area, it's a it's a little cultural thing down there that Yeah. It means Pirates a lot to those those fans. Those communities love it. So it's a it's a cool thing. Spring training is a cool thing. Um, plus like it's called spring training. It's not it's not just the preseason. It's not your three or four preseason games it's the spring training games it's a little it has a little more importance it feels like Mm -hmm. and i've never seen an nba preseason game so you could tune into one now though they're going on currently oh yeah that's right they are i saw kevin durant dunk and i saw and i said cool he's like eight foot tall isn't that what he's supposed to do yeah but at the same time he's coming off an achilles injury so good for him okay fine (laughs) (laughs) but as we mentioned there's still a lot of questions left to be answered by the nhl if they want to drop the puck on January 13th, which is what we all want to see. But there's also some questions for the Pittsburgh Penguins that will be answered in training camp, that will be answered as the season progresses. One of the biggest question marks going into the season is going to be Tristan Jari. He is now the official starting goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins with no heir apparent for the very first time since roughly 2015 when Matt Murray and Tristan Jari were vying for that next call-up position behind Marc-Andre Fleury. Ever since then, there's always been that heir apparent. Fleury's heir apparent was Matt Murray. It was actually supposed to initially be Tristan Jari before Murray jumped him. So a lot of things that were in that situation are now gone. Tristan Jari is the starter. Casey DeSmith is the backup with no threat of becoming the starter at any any time soon. So Jari gets the pipes. What do we expect from him this season? We're going to do... A little game of higher or lower. We're going to start with save percentage. And our higher or lower here, it kind of a medium bar. Kind of an average bar. And that's a 9-10 save percentage. Last year, he finished with 9-21. Horwat, higher or lower, 9-10 for a save percentage. Uh, I believe he can get higher. He said he got had a 9-21 last season. His last extended stay in the NHL, he was a 9-08, which is fairly close. And really, you make one or two, maybe three or four extra saves here and there, and you're bumped over to a... 910 which is where we're looking right now so again a shortened season might have a weird effect on these numbers but uh, a 910 is a fairly average um percentage point to leave it at i mean you think of murray's 899 last season that's not good and that's not good for him but you have to remember murray at some point did have a did play some decent goaltending last year and he still finished with an 899 so it 9-10's a fairly average one, maybe even a little above, but you like a 9-10. You like seeing your goalie making a 9-10 save percentage, and Jari having a 9-21 last season, and I think it was only 33 games. Mm-hmm. Um, That should be good for him. 9-10 this year, he, I don't know how many games he'll play. I don't know what the, you know, the ratio is going to be, but let's say he does 35 or something around there, a little over 40. I could see, I could see him doing 40 to 42 games this year. Yeah, I could see that too. So a 9-10 is a fairly reachable goal and uh, one that I believe he'll not crush, but he'll be over for sure. And I, I agree. And, and before he bounced down to that 9-21, he was hurt a lot by splitting the net with Matt Murray because he did not get a lot of starts after January 1st of 2020. So that definitely hurt him. He's a guy that it seems like he thrives better when he is the guy. When he has the net, and he knows that that other guy is not coming for his job, but coming to support him. Not to say that Murray didn't support him off the ice, but you know what I mean. In a starting capacity, there's nobody vying for his job currently. I think he gets above that 9-10 percentage. I, I think he probably bumps it close to that 9-21 that he had last season. The question's going to be, how does the defense do it? And it's something that is very important. Yeah, 
he had a 921 save percentage last season, but if you have a good or bad defense can also affect your save percentage because it depends on where those chances and where those shots are coming from. So I think he does it as well. I, I, I tend to agree with you. And, and that brings us to something else that will be interesting. Four shutouts. I might have set the bar a little high here with four shutouts in a 56-game season. If he plays, like I said, 40 to 42 games, that's 10% of his games that he is shutting out the other opponent. But I feel like offenses are going to be slow to start the season, which is why I escalated that number a little bit. Last year, Jari had three shutouts. They happened to be back-to-back-to-back, I believe, or at least (laughs) two of them were back-to-back shutouts. What do you think? Four shutouts, higher or lower? Oh, man, shutouts is hard. Can I say exact to that? Exact? Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going to say he has four. That's going to be my number. Because, now see, shutouts are hard because you would assume uh, Matt Murray would have a pr- would have some pretty decent shutout numbers because he was the starting goalie here for a while and did pick up a good amount of wins. I mean, he he's one of four goalies in Penguins history over 100 wins. So you would assume he picked up a few. No, he only had a handful, really. Like, he would bounce back and forth between a number, then one shutout in the season, then a number, and then one again. So, shutouts are weird, especially now with the amount of offense that the league is bringing. But I think I think Jari can get to four. He would just have to really kick the learning curve quickly, which is very possible. So, I like the, I like the idea of four. Um, four is going to be the max, though. I don't think he'll go over. I brought up the defense when I was talking about save percentage. The defense is a large portion of why I say he will go lower than four shutouts this season. I don't think he's going to get to four simply because, one, that shortened schedule, 10% of your games you get a shutout, that is a high, high percentage for an NHL goaltender. So between that and not only do I think that this defense – I think this defense is pretty good, and we'll get into this defense in later episodes, but to shut a team out, especially as you mentioned – In today's NHL, with the scoring prowess that all of these teams have, players that have that scoring prowess, I don't think he gets to four shutouts this year. I could see him possibly getting to three. I don't think he surpasses that four. There's going to be a learning curve for Mike Matheson. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a learning curve for Cody Ceci as far as goes with coming into this team. So I think that's something that is going to affect Tristan Jari between the pipes. So I say he doesn't get to four shutouts because those guys can make mistakes that can put him in bad situations that can ruin his chances at a shutout, but not necessarily a save percentage or a goals allowed average. That's the last number we're going to play higher or lower here with. My question is Horat 3.00 goals allowed average higher or lower. I think I'll get lower than that. I don't have too much explanation for, for it other than I just think he can be lower than 3.0. I actually say no. I think it's going to be higher because every year, and this is a point that we've made on all three now, NHL scoring seems to increase every single season. And while I did say that at the beginning of the season, offenses are going to struggle a little bit, it's going to be what we saw at the beginning of the play-in and round-robin games for the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, where offenses are going to take a little bit of time to get those passes a little bit more crisp, to get those shots a little bit more where they want them to go. So he is going to have an advantage at the beginning of the season. But once these guys heat up, they've also had so much time off over the past year that they're going to be able to have that stability, have that stamina late into the season. So once they get going, there's not going to be that drop-off before playoffs hit, which is going to make it very interesting for the viewer, but it's going to make it very difficult for the goaltender. That combined with the defense, trying to manage a learning curve here. I don't think he gets below a 3.00 goals allowed average. I don't think he's very much higher over that, but I still think first season as a starting goaltender, he doesn't get below that 3.00. Last year, he had a 2.43, which is a really good goals allowed average, but it's the same time this year. I think he does finish just above that. So Horwat, that is our higher or lower kind of gives him our expectations of where Tristan Jari is going to be next season. But let's do an overview, an Hmm. overall decision here. Will Tristan Jari be a top 10 goaltender in this league? Will he be top 15? Let's start with top 10 first, though. Uh, You know what? I think so. I think there's going to be a – there's all kind of new goaltending this year Mm -hmm. by way of guys going to new teams, new – rookies getting new starting jobs new not even new rookies getting stars but new goalies getting starting jobs and not 
backups anymore. There's going to be a lot of fall off, I think. I think we're going to see, because of a new system or whatever it may be, some goaltenders might just fall off the face of the earth. Um, some of these young guys that these teams think are going to carry them, which Jari is one of them. I won't say he's not, but I think I jumped to Samsonov in Washington or D'Elia and Subban in Chicago because apparently that's what they're going with. I mean, and you look is... at the Rangers that are now putting all their ba- eggs in the basket of Yorgiev and Shostarkin. So Yeah, it's out of those. I mean, I said Samsonov. I'll throw Jari in there, D'Elia, Subban, and Shostarkin and uh, the last one's escape, Georgiev. One of them, if not two of them, are bound to just fall off the face of the earth because that's how goalies are and that's just how statistics work. So you hope one of them isn't Jari, but if if it's if one of them's not, I think he can easily be a top ten in this in this league. Maybe not top five, at least a top fifteen, no matter what. So I think will if he will be a top ten, yes, if he's able to bust that curve quickly. That's going to be the big thing for him this season. That's going to be the big thing for uh, the whole team because you mentioned the defense stepping in as into a new role. Our bottom six is almost completely different. So there's going to be a curve this season, but if Jari can kick it faster than normal, um, he should be able to be a top ten. And I'm not going to call for a top five yet. <laughs> I think I think we'll need to see some hockey get played first before that. Yeah, I definitely agree that he's probably not going to be top five anytime in this calendar year. But at the same time, or I should say next calendar year, it is December of this calendar year. But at the same time, top 10, I still think is a little ambitious for a guy going into his first season as a starting goaltender, as a a unified and undisputed number one goaltender, especially. I mean, you look at some of the names around the league. Connor Heliabuck won the Vezina last year for good reason. He's going to be a top five goaltender. Andre Vasilevsky coming off of a Stanley Cup is going to be a top five goaltender. Carey Price coming off of a lot of off time. He had a lot of rest. And yes, while they did go further than the Penguins in the return to play format in 2020, he still exited after the first round and still had a lot of time off. I think he's going to have a great season. And I think that team as a whole is going to have a great season. But we'll get to that when we preview the whole league in a later episode. But the point is... There's a lot of goaltenders, even though you said there are a lot of situations. Shesterkin, Washington with Samsonov, Chicago, and whatever they're trying to do. There's also a lot of situations like Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas. There's the other ones that I mentioned. There's, how about Braden Holtby in Vancouver? There's a lot of situations where there's chances for people that have been in that class and have had that pedigree to regain that pedigree. So, no, I don't think it's top 10. I do think he has the ability to one day be a top 10 goaltender, one day possibly being a top 5 goaltender from some of the flashes that he showed last season, but not top 10 quite yet this year. Top 15, I could see it. I could see somewhere between the 13 to 15 is where I see him finishing off this season. That's fair. I mean, this is the kind of game you play if, Basically, what you want to do is just start rifling names of goalies off and just say, do we it, just answer, is Jari better than this person? Like, you just say, Jonathan Quick. Uh, at this point, Jari's yes. probably better. Uh, Markstrom might not be as good as Markstrom. Markstrom, I think, had one hot season. We'll see where he goes from here. Carter Hart is definitely not better than Carter Hart yet. Once Carter Hart falls off and Philly cries under their cheesesteaks, we will love it. <laughs> but for now... Carter Hart is better than Jari, for now. Uh, you mentioned uh, Hellebuck. Yes, Hellebuck is better than Jari. Oh, obviously. Yeah, without, without a doubt. Anton Kudobin. Uh, we'll I mean, see. Let's start with Ben Bishop. Is he healthy? Because he's, if yeah. he's healthy, he's a, a little bit better. If he's yeah. hurt, I mean, obviously he's not playing, but if he's playing hurt or whatever it may be, no, he's not going to be better than Jari because Bishop is very overrated i'll say it through gritted teeth and maybe didn't maybe regret it but bishop might be a little overrated mm-hmm. yeah and of course you always have columbus's duo of oh, you know, yeah. mers lincoln's and Corpusalo. we'll see how that, that plays out but duo. there's a lot of good goaltending storylines which makes us happy because we personally here at the tip of the iceberg love goaltending storylines fortunately there's not going to be big headlines when it comes to pittsburgh this year because i'm a little tired of goalie storylines in pittsburgh 
gory goalie wow gory goalie storylines across the league it's fun for us and we personally love it because here it's always controversy it's never hey we have this great duo it's hey we have this duo one of them effing hates the other for some reason like it's and that's the fan base not each not specifically those goalies it's it's never hey we can we have this do this great duo of goalies let's play them both let's have fun with it it's Mm -hmm. no it's always no this one goalie's good we're keeping him and him only yeah they always there's always a look to the end in pittsburgh when it comes to goaltending controversy which is not fun for anybody i mean maybe it was just maybe that was just all irony because we were paying matt or mark andre Fleury a ton of money and Matt Murray was definitely going to be the uh, successor there. And then it just so happened that this time around, both of their contracts ended at the same time. Mm. So, and one of them was going to get paid a lot of money. Like maybe, th- maybe it was stall irony there, but yeah. for now, one way or the other, it's almost always just controversy with goalies in Pittsburgh. But I mean, I don't know what it's like in other towns. Is there a lot of hooting and hollering over who should be starting in New York or Washington for that matter? Speaking of New York. Yeah, or e- even in Columbus to a lesser extent. I mean, you mm-hmm. have two very good young goaltenders there. It's basically the same same thing with Murray and Jari, minus the fact that Murray had a cup pedigree. So that's what changes the entire conversation over in Columbus. But uh, I digress to that point. I think we all we both digress to the goalie point. There's going to be a lot of conversation to be had over the year about Tristan Jari and about how he is performing as the number one goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But as of right now, we're going to move on with the show After we take a quick break here, we're going to talk a little bit about the Wheeling Nailers. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Huge thank you goes out to them, as always, for housing our show, for helping us become the show we are today, and overall just being great corporate overlords, as Hockey Troll likes to put it, even though it doesn't even feel like a corporate setting. That's how great it is to work at the Hockey Podcast Network, and no, I'm not looking for a raise, but we are continuing here with Season 2, Episode 4. Isn't Troll corporate now, too, though? Troll is corporate, but he wants keep that on the down low, man. He wants to keep up his image as this oh, badass. Okay. So, got to keep it on the down low, buddy. Sorry, I, I sorry. <laughs> Troll's not a suit. What am, I didn't mean that. I made that up. <laughs> of course, but as we're talking about hockey, troll, we're also going to talk about the Wheeling Nailers, which everybody who follows the network knows that is where the troll resides currently. But the Wheeling Nailers opened their season this past weekend against. The Indy Fuel, unfortunately, they dropped their opener 3-2 to two to the Indy Fuel. But it was an interesting game. They did keep it close. The one thing that I found very interesting, and this was on their morning skate graphic, 22 of the 26 players on the roster had never played a game for the Wheeling Nailers. See, turnover, man. There's the a lot of turnover in the ECHL. We mentioned it on our last episode. I did not know it was to this degree. I just remember looking at the roster and thinking, well, there's a lot of new names on that roster. Didn't think it was to the extent that only four returning players are there. Zero of them are goalies, so it seems like Alex DeOrio is going to start the season in the AHL. But as far as Wheeling's concerned, the first game, 
Three to two loss, you hate to see it, and especially because that's the only game they play this weekend. Like, they played that weekend. They have to wait an entire another week. They have two games against the Orlando Solar Bears coming up next weekend, so hopefully they can get that first W on the season then. But the one thing that I noticed about this game, Wheeling went 0 for 5 on the power play. The Penguins, as an organization, have not had a great time on the power play the last couple of years. And it continues with the ECHL's Wheeling Nailers 0 for 5 on the power play. But on the bright side, special teams wasn't all bad. They went 4 for 4 on the penalty kill. So a good job there. Also, fantastic ECHL name here. And I'm probably mispronouncing it, but this is how I'd love to pronounce it. Brad Drobot dropped the mitts two minutes into the game, getting it started the old-fashioned ECHL way, some old-time hockey. There was a funny image, I believe, posted by the Indy Fuel that him and the guy he fighted were talking pregame and then two minutes into the game, they're already dropping the mitts. You got to love to see it from the ECHL. Hora, what were your thoughts on the Nailers season opener? Uh, that didn't sound very good. The The ECHL is always a, just, just a doghouse. There's, it, it's always fun to watch those kind of games. I mean, you mentioned it is old time hockey. It is still the, <clears throat> excuse me. It is still pack full of the grittiness that. Um, 90s and 80s hockey was full of but at the same time it's got guys that can be NHL hopeful so there is still some kind of skill there because you are still playing for a trickle down in a trickle down way an NHL organization which is where everyone wants to be playing mm-hmm. so it's the ECHL is such a weird melting pot of skills like it's it's not a step away from beer league but Sometimes it seems like it can be. Some teams and some players are not that great, but at the same time, it's there's some enter, it's some entertaining hockey, especially for hockey that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I really want to go to an ECHL game this season, so maybe we'll have to take a, a conjoining road trip to Wheeling, West Virginia, and, and join the Hockey Troll and watch the Wheeling Nailers. One other player I do have my eye on for the Wheeling Nailers, and I think all Pens fans really should, is Felix Robert. He had his professional debut in that game. Not a lot doing for him. He had, I believe, three shots on goal. He was a minus one on the game. So we're definitely going to keep have to keep our eyes yeah. on him. He was third in the QMJHL in scoring last season. Of course, he played on a line with Samuel Poulin, who, as many of you know if you listen to the show, is the Penguins' current number one prospect, according to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on, and we'll keep an eye on and see if he can get his first point in the ECHL against the Orlando Solar Bears next week. Let's keep it in the prospect pool as we continue here on the show. Uh, Congratulations is in order for Callie Klang and Joel Blumfist, both making their respective World Juniors teams, both goaltenders that were drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2020 NHL entry draft. So Although Sam Poulin, as we mentioned a couple minutes ago, he did not make Team Canada, which is stacked at forward, so you can't really blame them there. Horwat, you said you were okay with the fact that Poulin isn't going to the World Juniors. It gives him time to play with the Sherbrooke Phoenix, play in some hockey in the QMJHL instead of going and winning, not your words, these are my words, kind of a frivolous gold medal, which is what it kind of seems like for Team Canada. Now that they did this, I am going to be rooting for United States harder than I would have before mm-hmm. to, to beat Team Canada, but Team Canada is definitely stacked. What do you think about World Juniors coming up here in about 12 days? So, the World Juniors are always weird. Yeah, they're always fun to watch. I always forget about them, honestly. I mean, probably, probably because you know we live in America and it's only on the NHL network here. Mm-hmm. I'm never sitting down thinking what's on the NHL network. I'm usually doing other things like playing Xbox, but I'm just, I just always forget about the World Juniors. I'll if there are highlights on, I'll you know check them out, and see what's going on. I'll track, you know, some of the games if or some of the ser- series or however it goes. Yeah. I was yeah, but I was trying to figure out like the, like I'll track to see who's winning it. Um, I'll look at some names, but I mean, we mentioned teams with turnover. I mean, these are things that it's literally a new team every year. And that's the way it should be, but I mean, it's hard to get into something like that, at least for me personally. But it's interesting to watch every to watch and keep an eye on, and I get why people love it. Um, I just always forget about it personally. Plus, the I think I said this a couple weeks ago, the Penguins haven't had a prospect in it in how long it seems. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, now we have two goalies in it. That's good because going forward, those are those are a pair of goaltenders that uh, we might see one day. You would, I would assume, at least one or two of them is going to make it into the organization and make a fight for uh, an NHL position. So it's always interesting to keep an eye on if if Poulin would have made it and us having three players in it. I would have paid a little more attention and kept more of an eye on it. But again, for now, it'll probably just be in the back of my head, and um, I'll check in on the winner. And, yeah, uh, I, I'll definitely keep you posted because I'm very excited to watch this, not only because every year, while it is not covered very well in the United States, which is yet another thing the, NH- the, the United States does wrong for hockey, is not cover this tournament, I'm very intrigued to see and watch that Canadian team and the American team. The American team has a lot of studs on it as well. But yeah. specifically that Canadian team, think about the names that didn't make that team, including, I don't, you know, Hendricks Lapierre, as Hockey Troll was talking to us about how good he is. He was just drafted by the Capitals. He did not make the team. Connor McMichael is somebody that the Capitals are very high on. He did make the team. I mean, Quentin Byfield is somebody that's going to be fun to watch. It's overall going to be a great tournament. Canada is going to be a tough out for everybody. Yeah. So hopefully the United States can, can get her done. But we'll have to see. Unfortunately, we don't know if Callie Klang or Joel Blungfist are the starters. There are three goaltenders for both Team Sweden and Team Finland. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. But always going to be something to keep an eye on. And hopefully those guys get in and represent the Pittsburgh Penguins well in the World Juniors. Yeah, and that's one thing I, I will say. I, I don't watch a lot of the games for World Juniors, but I do like checking out the rosters and looking for names so it's cool having a couple of penguins on it for once this time around and uh yeah i mean hopefully it's a good good uh what do they call is it is the whole thing a series i mean it's a tournament tournament that's i couldn't think of the word tournament i'm tired today (laughs) yeah I, am tired I, I, today. I thought you were talking about like round robin standings or something that you you literally struggle with the word tournament all right well we'll keep it moving here how you doing keep it moving let's go talking about the new Mighty Ducks trailer. No, not the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks, the former great movies, still great movies. I watched the initial and first movie yesterday because it was just in the back of my mind after seeing the trailer for the new miniseries heading to Disney+. Plus. The Ducks are the bad guys, Horwat. Does that offend you at all? No, it's it's about time that those guys turn into some heels. Uh, I mean, <laughs> especially the original team with uh, Carp. Uh, Averman and uh, the brothers Hall? who, the Paul, the brothers who are escaping me. The Hall brothers. The Hall brothers, yeah. With those guys on the team, that is a heel team. Oh, they were chirping the entire yeah. length of that movie. And whenever they added the Hawk, yeah, that's a that's a heel team right there. So it's about time they you know played the proper role and played the heel, played the bad guy. Um, plus, Dylan Playfair is in it, and he is hysterical in Letterkenny, as I mentioned before. Uh, so he'll, that'll be fun to see. And it's great they got Emilio Estevez out of, back from doing nothing. I mean, what, when you're technically a sheen, I guess you don't really have to do too much. Oh, uh, no, you don't. But yeah, they got him into it. They got him in it, which is good. That's You had to have someone from the, ser- from the original series come back. It's good that it was him. It would have been interesting to see them try and bring back a conway or a banks for hey they still the might you never know yeah and who knows how this goes i do, have they confirmed is it just one season or are they gonna try and do more of it i'm not sure i feel like they're doing the same thing that they did with the playbook with the mandalorian where they released the first season and then after that they told you when season two or if season two was coming back i mean they're releasing they they announced on disney investors day which i appreciated because i'm an investor of the walt disney company myself and that definitely bumped my stock up real high they announced about a hundred titles 80 percent of oh, them yeah. going to disney plus exclusively so they're definitely doing a lot of things this mighty ducks trailer and this mighty ducks show mini series whatever you want to call it is one of them i'm very excited for it i am not somebody and you know this and i've stated several times i'm not somebody that likes remakes very often mm-hmm. But this, in the way that they are doing it, I'm excited for it. And it, it, if it's not good, okay, it's a miniseries. It's going to be probably six to ten episodes, 20 minutes an episode. I'm not offended by it. I'm excited for it. 
I like Dylan Playfair from what I saw of Letterkenny before I stopped mm-hmm. watching. I enjoyed Dylan Playfair. I think he's going to do a great job as the coach of the Ducks and the heel, the willful heel, as he loves to play. It'll be quite entertaining. It's. I was just asking if it uh, was confirmed to only be one season or not because I just get a weird vibe from it because I know Disney, obviously, as you said, just announced 800 shows, basically, or whatever it may have been. Um. I get a weird, bad feeling that this might be one of those shows that is good and then just kind of falls off, and we get, like, a season and a half, and then that's it. Um, which is is a reality for a lot of great TV, but, you know, it's if that's something that happens with this series in particular, I won't be fully shocked. But on, in the meantime, I'll be hopeful that it's good. I'll probably watch it still and hope for the best from it. I mean, uh, if anything, we get to see Gore and Bombay again. Yeah, it's always nice to see some of the old characters of our childhood making their reappearance on the screen. And, I mean, he, he got his act together in his personal life. Maybe they bring back Goldberg. Yeah, I think from the preview that I saw, I watched the preview once, and they were like they like quickly flipped through like the kids' faces. I think they got someone who looks exactly like Goldberg as a kid. <laughs> I mean, that would be perfect because Goldberg, let, let's be honest, Goldberg was the most recognizable person besides Gordon Bombay. In the original trilogy. It's a damn shame he was from Philly in the movie, though. Yeah, yeah, that is that is one detractor for him. But, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose most. But as we are going to move along here, we're going to finish it off as we always do with our pens poll. And then we have a little extra something-something for you guys. Talking a lot about food in the final segment. Bring it on back here. We'll be back right after the break. We've got hockey talk. Those are the moments you're a sports fan for. Um, those are the moments... Where you know you're down three nothing, and the team has this amazing comeback, and the guy who you want, who you really are thinking this needs to be the star of this team, has a hat trick. We've got beer. It has a unicorn on the can. An easy drinking beer that's just delicious. We want to help you understand the sport you love better. What kind of things are you looking for to understand the game better? What, you know, what's a couple of things someone who's watching the game at home when things start up here in a few weeks or if they're watching college hockey, what's going on right now? What kind of things would they be looking for to try and understand the game better or what's happening in the game, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's, it's something that's evergreen. Um... Listen to Jackets Debrief, part of the Hockey Podcast Network and available wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, Season 2, Episode 4. This is not live on Facebook and Periscope as we had hoped, which is unfortunate because we are absolutely buzzing today, Horwat, and let's hopefully continue to do that. I don't know on your part if that's a little bit about exhaustion or what that's about. Um, yeah, it's for me, it's a little bit of exhaustion. While we were away on that little break, I did look through the preview real quick and oh my god i was so right this kid looks exactly like goldberg i'm sending <laughs> you the picture right now okay i and and like the little thing they did i think all of these kids i think they're i think they are the former players children i think that's the gimmick because the first one looked a lot like a young charlie conway and it went on there was definitely a young averman with the ginger hair and the glasses um and then i then Goldberg showed up, and I really thought that was him. Yeah, they definitely cloned the original Goldberg for that for that kid because he is as close as you can get without being an identical clone. Yeah. So <laughs> so knowing that little fact into it, that should be fun. It'll be entertaining. So now I'm a little more into it because I rewatched the preview and realized everything. Also, the logo is sick. Yeah. The logo they're using is sick, and I can't believe I forgot about that before. So, yeah, that'll be an entertaining, fun watch once it comes out. If we get more than one and a half season, because I still get that weird feeling from it, so be it. But we have other things to talk about, don't we? Yeah, we have our pens poll, as we always usually finish off our Monday episodes. But like I said, we have a little something extra for you guys on this week's episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. But our pens poll was back in non-COVID times, before heading to PPG Paints Arena. Where was your go-to spot? Basically asking... What was your pregame meal before going to a Pens game? Now, Permanis won with 31%. Permanis has a strong social media following, so almost not shocked that Permanis got that. 
Pizza Milano's, which is my favorite, and that is my go-to before. I love going to Pizza Milano's right across the street, right across Fifth Avenue. Great pizza. That was also my spot for when we watched the games outdoors. I'd always, in the intermission, first intermission, go up, order it, pick it up in the first intermission, get back before puck drop in the second. I love Pizza Milano, so that is my pick. Unfortunately, came in second here with 28% of the vote. Other, which I'll explain some of the others in a bit, that got 23% of the vote. And Buford's Kitchen. Now, I thought Buford's was more of a hot spot for Penns fans before games, but it only got 19% of the vote here. Now, yes, that is only 12% less than the first place winner, but I figured it would finish a little bit higher on the list. But unfortunately, only 19%. Does that surprise you at all, Horwat? And have you been to Buford's before? I don't. I can't remember if I've ever been to Buford's, actually. Um, so I'm not going to let it surprise me, at least, because I just genuinely don't remember what Buford's is like. But that being said, my answer for this was other, because I, to start, I rarely do, th- do things before a game. I kind of just go and then, you know, eat, drink there, and then come home or whatever. But if I am going to get f- go get food beforehand... I'm going anywhere that's got a wing night going or okay. anywhere that I can just eat a mountain of wings and then go in. So I'm thinking a red beards that we've gone to quite often. I worked at. Um, yeah. You worked <laughs> at. And I went to a red beards to watch a penguin game once. So more or less, maybe that's kind of where I was coming from. Just anywhere that's got wings. Like I mentioned a red beards. Hell I'd go to a Quaker steak and loop. Cause those are great wings. Um, Anywhere that's got a great wing special, that's where I'm stopping beforehand because that's a sports food. That's that's a sports food. That is that is I would I believe we can say that that is the peak sports food. Pizza kind of is everywhere. Pizza gets credit for a lot of different things. I think we got to give wings sports. Yeah, I mean look at Buffalo Wild Wings. They said wings, beer, sports. That is that is the combination. No free ads, by the way. No free ads. Uh, no free ads. Buffalo Wild Wings wings themselves are overrated. But uh, no free ads, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, that wouldn't have been an ad, damn. <laughs> that being said, yeah, anywhere with wings is my go-to for beforehand if I have to go anywhere beforehand because I'm usually just a, just a person of, oh, it's about two hours before game time. All right, I'm just going to go sit in my seat the second after the doors open because I like the environment of the arena more than I do cramming down food and then rushing to the game so I don't miss anything. So before I get into all the restaurants that people said other to, which the purpose of this is whenever everything opens back up and COVID is no longer a thing whenever 2030 rolls around, I guess. These are some uh, some places that you could go and some ideas. So after I or before I get into all the others that were commented under our pens poll, and thank you again to everybody that participated, Horwat. You said you eat there. What what do you get when you go to PPG Paints Arena? Let, let, let's uh, throw that in there. There's so many options. I try and change it up every time. There is a Permanis in there. I'll start mm-hmm. with that. Um, there's a Stacked, which is a, a sandwich place. There's the Classics, which is um, like chicken fingers, popcorn, fries, stuff like that. Right behind where my season tickets are is a new chicken place that they got. So I can get wings at the game now. Uh then there is, I know there's a couple Fox's pizzas around there. The go-to at all times was always the Burgatory on the second yeah, level. I was about to say, there's a Burgatory in there, and I know both of us frequented that when we went to games together. Yep. I used to get the uh, bourbon barbecue every time. I'm trying to remember what else is in there now. It's been it's been so long since, we've been, since I've been to a hockey game, man. I forget what places are there. I know there's an Emporio. Mm-hmm. Up also up at the second level it's called emporio a meatball joint phenomenal place um and i know pvg paints is in the midst of adding a ton more like as we speak basically <laughs> yeah so definitely a lot of options once you get to the game uh, a lot of options also before you get to the game so much and so in fact that 23 percent of our voters said other other than the Permanis, Pizza Milano's, and Buford's Kitchen. Uh, some of those that were said at Penzone Hockey on Twitter said tons of Penns fans at Fridays, which makes sense because that is also uh, yeah. in the building, not technically in the arena, but is connected to PPG Paints Arena. Also, Super Bowl isn't bad either. I've never been to Super Bowl, but you know it, what? it would be worth trying if you want something different. It's I don't feel like soup's much of a sports food, but if it's that good, 
you might have to give it a try. Now that you mentioned Super Bowl, okay, now I can remember places that I've gone to pregame because before uh, Consol Energy Center was built, when me and my stepmom would go to games fairly often, it's it's right next to Super Bowl. It's called Grill on Fifth Ave, I believe. That place was where I would always, where me and my stepmom would always go before games. They had a, I think they still have it. It's called an 87 burger. It's an eight ounce patty with seven different toppings, and it's incredible. See, I'm a very plain human being. I don't know if I would have liked that. I think, I mean, it's, I think the toppings are basically cheese, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle, ketchup, mustard. It was the basic toppings, but it was still seven of them. So give me cheese and pickle. Uh, <laughs> that's fair, but. Yeah, so there's my answer. I, I will officially change my... So that is my official answer, but most of the time I'm not doing things anymore, but that was my old school go-to. Before we move on to our little special segment here, just a couple other suggestions from, from followers and from fans of the show. Hockey and App Podcast, at Hockey and App Pod, said, August Henry's Don on Penn. $3 Wells, $3 Labats, and solid bar food. Now, I have frequented August Henry's before, and I do concur that there is some solid food there. And those are some great specials as well. At Nick Poprocky on Twitter said Condado. He likes the tacos before Taco Penn's man. game. That Not necessarily the way I would go with it, but Condado's tacos are very good. Yep, very good tacos. And then at Big Save, eh? Noah Nur or Kner. I'm not sure if that K is silent. But he said Fatheads Pittsburgh. Basically, the point being, there's a lot of options for you if you're going Absolutely. to the Penn's game whenever fans are allowed back in the stands and whenever COVID is under control, like I said, probably around 2030 or so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh's a great place for food, period. Uh, it's very underrated. I think, you know, we had Pop Rock, Poppy mention uh, Kadados. It's a great taco place. You don't necessarily think about, think about it from, for before sporting events, but it's a great place to go get food. Um, Fatheads is another great place to go get food have some beer because their brewery is fairly good and fairly popular in the area mm-hmm. so there's all different kinds of places to try and i think whenever you start asking this question to Steeler or pirate fans it opens up a little more because now you're including the north shore in there mm-hmm. and southern tiers on the north shore there's bettis's bettis is on, the north shore. on broadway there's all kind of stuff down there so um of course, it's also a big bar community, so if you, if you are discussing with people where they go to watch games sometimes, then you start getting the south side involved. You start strip talking district. about the strip district. Yep. So it's a very vast, open um, food and drink city that I think we we tried to talk about it with Pop, with Hoppy a little bit a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, but it's just it's a little different in this town because it's not as you know populous, if you will. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and from moving, from talking about food in Pittsburgh to talking about food all over the United States of America, this is a question that I posed to you and we had the beginnings of a heated discussion on. So we decided to save it yep. for the podcast. My question to you, Horwat, and I'm sure we'll disagree because we already did. What is the premier fast food chain? Okay, so that's a hard question to answer immediately because I have to. I have, there's a few caveats in here. Is are places like Moe's, Chipotle, and or like a Five Guys? Are they included in this? Are they fast food? Before I tell you my idea of that, do you consider them fast food? I don't. They're not what I think about, but I think they are technically fast food. They're not what I think about right away because I usually I, assume fast food. It, it's got to have the drive-through. That's one of the things for me. And it not only does it have to have the drive-thru, it has to be universally thought of as having a drive-thru. Yep. Okay. Okay. So that's one of the things for me. And you mentioned who? What? Moe's, Chipotle, and who else? Five Guys. Five Guys? Correct. Yeah, Five Guys as well. Moe's, Chipotle, Five Guys, even Subway. Even I Subway. don't consider that fast food. Why? Because they are made to order, not fast food. Fast food is, can I have a number nine? Can I have a number three? <laughs> Would you like fries with that? Yes coke yeah that's that's fast food do you consider sheets fast food no sheets is not fast food that's convenient store food there is a difference there because it's made to order which is exactly what i think Moe's, chipotle subway are all made to order which is why that wipes them completely out of this conversation because i do love Moe's. that is one of my biases i love sheets as well that but those don't 
go into this conversation to me. Also, as you mentioned, not universally known as having drive through So that's why I say no to that. What are some of your other questions before you give me that answer? Horwath, I think I'm that's all I intrigued. got. It's, okay. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I will just mention, I still think Subway falls under fast food because it they, is it's considered a fast food brand and they are the largest, I believe, fast food restaurant in the world. Like they have the most restaurants. Restaurants. They have more than McDonald's? Yes, they do have more than McDonald's. Okay, well, just because you have a lot of them doesn't mean you're the best and doesn't mean I don't I don't count them because of that whole thing. But even in their own commercials, they say, we're not fast food, oh. we're fresh food. So they they eliminated themselves from this conversation. <laughs> They're home. also, also some, some Subway food is the farthest thing from fresh, let's be honest. Hey, I never said they were honest. I'm just <laughs> saying they yeah. took themselves out of the running for this. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. But um, so if I have to take my answer what is the how specifically are you wording this question what is the premier fast food chain the premier fast food chain when i think of fast food and honestly it might be my favorite it's just hard to tell and it's overly popular i get it but it's mcdonald's it's the first one you always think of when you think of fast food it's definitely probably one of the most popular the big mac was invented in pittsburgh so there's a little homerism in there and i am yet to damn it i'm yet to have the mcrib i said i would be getting it but I haven't yet. Uh, but no, my answer is probably McDonald's because it's um, popular. It is good. And I never said it was good for you, but it tastes good. And it's fairly easy to find a McDonald's at any given place. Oh, yeah. Just look for the golden arches and you'll be set. Shout out to Bob O'Gara, our former professor at Point Park. <laughs> but, okay, McDonald's, I think that is a good point that you made there and you know what i will say you you covered your point very valiantly but you're wrong and this all started because i sent you a snapchat that said wendy's is the premier fast food and you're and wrong. it is <laughs> and it is i'm not wrong it has the best variety you could ask for with the best quality mcdonald's yes you can get a lot of stuff on the dollar menu yes there's a lot of variety you can get the mcrib or you can get chicken nuggets or you can get uh, you know mcdouble or whatever what what have you you can get possibly ice cream or a milkshake if the machine is working which 90 percent of the time it's not but it's the quality too you can't tell me you eat a wendy's baconator and you eat a double or a mcdouble and you think the mcdouble tastes better maybe when you're you know hungover it's a little bit better for you because it doesn't take up as much space in your stomach also with the fries i think wendy's fries are better than McDonald's. oh no now you're yes. really being no. a heathen when mcdonald's fries they're okay they're too thin oh it, so you eat multiple at a time my guy name one person who eats one mcdonald's fry at a time okay well here's the thing that mcdonald's definitely doesn't have over wendy's when it's concerned to fries you can dip a Wendy's fry and a Wendy's Frosty, which is the premier dessert for fast food. Okay, you see, you have nothing about that. I got nothing to say against a Frosty. And, I mean, I, and now, I, I'm not going to say I don't like McDonald's. I do. But the premier fast food chain is Wendy's, and you're not going to change my mind. I love Chick-fil-A, but like I said, I look for variety. You're getting just chicken. Just chicken. Okay? You're also not open on Sundays. I'm sorry. I get your reasons. You know, that's, that's great. It's but the at the same time... Day. If I want chicken on a Sunday, I can't get it from Chick-fil-A. Unfortunately, that knocks you down a peg in me. Arby's, that's great, but you can't get a nice fast food burger at Arby's. Okay? It, it has great buffalo chicken sandwiches, but, again, not enough variety there for me. It doesn't have everything I want. Yes, I know Arby's is the only one that does what they do, but that's not always what I want. If I want fast food, it's, you know, it's a Wendy's Baconator. It's a... Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. It's a Wendy's fries and a frosty. It's a Coke from Wendy's. McDonald's, like I said, top five. Easily, probably top two, honestly. You know what? Not top two. I like Chick-fil-A a little bit more than I like McDonald's, even though the variety isn't there. But again, Wendy's has that variety. It has the quality as well. You get those nice thick square patties when you order a Baconator. It's, it's my go-to, man. I just something about Wendy's. I've always had a bad taste in my mouth from Wendy's because 
there was a long stretch of my life where I never effing got what I ordered from a Wendy's. They like my order would be messed up somewhere along the way. Um, so I just didn't like the, and I, they, that would be for multiple Wendy's around Pittsburgh. It wouldn't just be from the same one. Mm-hmm. So maybe that just did it in. Um, I'm not saying Wendy's is bad. I really just don't like the fries. I don't. When they redid them, it didn't. They didn't get better. They did not. Yo, you're using real sea salt. Congratulations. I don't care. <laughs> They're not. The fries are not any better. The burgers are good. I just, I just don't know if, if I just haven't had them in a while. If I go to Wendy's, I'm getting a chicken sandwich. I'll start there. Or the junior bacon, the junior bacon cheeseburger, which is fire. Um, I'm not gonna fully disagree with you on saying that Wendy's is a premier fast food chain because it is one of the top three let's start there okay so at least we agree on the fact that it is one of the premier but i'm saying it's the premier right but what really throws my list off and what probably what makes me just uh not a certified food person to to discuss food is i love taco bell man passionately passionately and i know you don't anymore but i i used to man we used to i used to but then you start eating actual, you know, Tex-Mex, like Moe's, and you look at Taco Bell, and you just get disgusted by what you eat. Man, I don't care. I will still, because a grilled cheese burrito smacks, I still love my Crunchwrap Supreme, and I always will to the day I die. Then it, it's a, that's, that's a Moe's stack, but Moe's stack uses better meat. Quality, man. Quality. I know it does. I know it does, <laughs> but I'm not, we're not here to discuss whatever Moe's is, if that's, that's not fast fair. food, right? Correct. Because it's not fast be- food. I shouldn't. I shouldn't admit it into evidence. <laughs> you're good. I get what you're saying, though. You're <laughs> saying once you try these other options, you start to realize what it does to these other places. Which is why I brought up Five Guys in the first place. Because if that's in this in this question, Five Guys is far superior from everything. Yeah. Despite I, it, you know, mis- I still d- probably put Moe's above it. But Five Guys burgers are the top. Yes. Just not actual restaurant burgers. Despite you know walking how, up to how the. Low they would put it. I know what you mean. It's a, it's a, I forget what it's actually called, but it's when you, it's, it's a great burger, except for whenever you go up there, you say, I would like a cheeseburger with this, this and a Coke. And next thing you know, you're paying $40 for a yeah, burger. Well, that is one you, thing about five guys. It you pay for quality, I guess, but you also, you get you. the small fry and they give you enough as a large, like a regular large fry. If you order a large fry at five guys, please send help for yourself because yeah. I did that once and it can feed a family of five or six. Cause it's it's the way they dump it into the bag afterwards. That's yeah. They fill the cup up, put it in the bag, and then they fill the bag up over top of it. But uh, we digress on Five Guys. We both love that. But again, so you're saying McDonald's is your premier fast food chain? I'm saying it's my premier for sake of it is probably the most popular fast food chain in the world. It's I I love the homerism for it creating the Big Mac, and it's that's one of my favorite sandwiches. And just, it has variety, it, more than what people will give it credit for. Yeah, the burgers are great. The chicken sandwiches are great. Um, they should bring back the snack wrap. There's that. And it's, I, I've never had a Wendy's breakfast. Are we bringing breakfast into this conversation? That very well could be. I did not think of that. Boom. Now I'm now I'm laying the hammer because McDonald's breakfast, when it comes to fast food breakfast, breakfasts, it's unmatched. I mean, I don't like everything on a on a McDonald's breakfast menu, but the, the popular big the big breakfast from McDonald's, yep, is and the is popularity that comes big. along with it. Yeah. Also, there's there's one thing I will say about a McDonald's breakfast. Dear God, turn the temperature down on your coffee. <laughs> you literally <laughs> lost a lawsuit because of how hot your coffee was, and it's still scalding. I digress. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that that quick, not quick, that was actually a pretty, pretty long conversation on fast food. Chime in on social media, at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter, at Iceberg Podcast on Instagram, or the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook. Let us know what you think is the premier fast food chain. Let us know if you tend to agree with me on Wendy's, which is the correct option, or if you know you like inferior quality like Horwat with <laughs> McDonald's. So it hasn't killed me yet. <laughs> it, it has not killed you yet, but we'll we'll see where that goes in about thirty to forty years. Oh, uh, <laughs> also, and if there are any that we missed that we're completely forgetting about, um, there are obviously other places around the around the country that are just mm-hmm. not local to here. Like, 
I had In-N-Out Burger for the first time this summer, and it was okay. Shake Shack is my favorite, period, but it's just not around here, so it can't be uh, premiered to me. Um, Shake Shack fries are a touch overrated as well, but that being like, and there's not a water burger around here, but that's a Southern thing. Yeah. And I think one thing that you have to think about when you think of premier fast food chain is also reachability. You mentioned it with McDonald's. You were trying to mention it with Subway before we completely exiled them from this conversation is they have that many locations around the world. Yeah. You're only specific to a certain areas. Then I take you out of this conversation. Yeah, and that's the way it should be because those places are technically regional then. Mm-hmm. Despite exactly. Shake Shack being across the country, just not in our region. Um, so. But we'll digress again and just say, if we, if there, let us know your thoughts. If we did forget any that are local to the Pittsburgh area, uh, let us know. If you think Eaton Park also is, te- is basically sit-down fast food, I agree with you because it really is. I worked there for two years. I can tell you it's sit-down fast food. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We finished just in time to tune in to Steelers versus Bills. Of course, if you're listening to this, you already know the result of that. So please don't spoil it for the rest of us. <laughs> that's going to be it for this one. We will see you guys on Thursday. Like I said, let us know. And let us know why Wendy's is superior. That's going to be it, guys. See ya. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.